Hello, this is Shane Claiborne, and uh, right beside me here is Tony Campolo. We're on every week at this time. The name of the show is From Across the Pond, and it's uh, named that because we are on the other side of the ocean here on the east coast of the United States, right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, that's where we record the show, and what we talk about every week is the intersection of Jesus and justice, where our... Uh, beautiful commitment to the kingdom of God meets this world. And Jesus said, uh, when he talked about the kingdom of God, he said, uh, we're to pray and to live that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So we, we uh, believe for too long that uh, Christians have kind of been so heavenly minded that we're not too much earthly good. We, we end up promising people life after death and they're Many people that are wondering if there's life before death. And, and so we, we really believe that our faith uh, is not just an escape from this world, but is something that, that uh, stirs our heart to care about this world. And uh, we're really glad that you joined us. You can find more on our website. We've uh, uh, used the language red-letter Christians because the old Bibles have the words of Jesus in red. And our website is redletterchristians.org. You can find a whole bunch of great resources on there. And you can sign up to be a Red Letter Christian uh, right there on our website. Commit your life to, to Jesus and to justice. So and here we you, are. And if you like this show, here's the good news. You can get this show on the Internet. Go to our website, redletterchristians.org. And there's a place where you can log on to the radio show, uh, redletterchristians.org. You can log on to it. And... And you can, uh, you, yeah, the podcast. We, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's a podcast. Well, it's you know, I mean, it, it blurs because it releases as a radio show, and then everybody else in the world listens to it as a podcast. So, yeah, so there it you goes. You know, Tony's showing his age here just a yeah. little bit. You I know, can't keep podcast. up with all this <laughs> this high tech stuff, man. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I I have one of those old flip phones. Yeah, you know, yeah. whenever I'm on an airplane or anything, and I open up my the cell phone, the guy next to me laughs at me. You know, when, when are you going to get one of these iPhones? When are you going to get one of these things that's up to date? I mean, do you realize you're using a phone that's 30 years old or something like that? So there you go. You're like, I, I still ride a horse, too. Yeah, but, uh, yeah um, well, you know, and, and, but there is something that good, good that comes with age, which is wisdom. You know, and I think right now we need some wisdom. It can kind of feel like uh, this political funk that we're in uh, – uh, is is brand new, but it's actually something that's got roots that go way way back. And and I, I think you know today we really want to spend some time thinking about um, how our our evangelicalism here in the U.S. got so sick and yeah. where, where did that it, begin? It has gotten married to Donald Trump and the extreme right of the Republican Party. Um, I mean Franklin Graham. I mean these are prominent evangelical voices. Uh, Pat Robertson, uh, Reverend Jeffries, the pastor of First Baptist Church in uh, Dallas, Texas. All these people. Jerry Falwell Jr. Jerry Falwell Jr., a big supporter of Donald Trump. Actually, uh, Donald Trump spoke at the commencement address at uh, Liberty University, which is uh, Jerry Falwell's university. I mean, they are so closely connected with each other that when you say evangelical, immediately people say, oh, then you're a supporter of Donald Trump and you're a supporter of right-wing politics, let me just say, Jesus is not a Republican. He is not a Democrat. He's not a member of the Labor Party. He's not a member of the Conservative Party. He's not a member of the Liberal Party. He's, 
He transcends all of our political allegiances. And that's what upsets some of us. When you tie Jesus up with one particular political power and say, that's the God party. And I think that that's what some of the key evangelical leaders here in the United States have done. They have tied up evangelicalism with a segment of the Republican Party and with a candidate, i.e. Donald Trump, and say that's where Christians belong in their allegiance. And the truth is, we don't belong to any other Lord except Jesus Christ. He's the one that guides us. Red-letter Christians say, you want to know what our agenda is? Get an old Bible where the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. Read those red letters. That's what we're about. That's what we're calling people to do, to be obedient and take seriously the teachings of Jesus. When you get outside of the U.S. a little bit, like you and I do as we get to travel, like you, you see what a strange phenomenon it is. I mean, almost everywhere we go in the U.K., the first question that we get asked is like, why did 81% of white evangelicals support Trump? And they're baffled by it. So, I, you know, it didn't just come out of nowhere. I mean, there's, there's a certain um, theology that has helped to, uh, to really um, lead us to the, the, the crisis that we're in. And I remember having you in class and you talking about it. And <laughs> I think we're, we're even deeper in than yeah. then. So. Well, you know, it all began, this uh, moving to the political right, all began uh, about uh, more than 100 years ago. Uh, with the publication, you were, you were pretty young then. Yeah, I was just a kid. <laughs> but let me let me just say, uh, I remember as a kid uh, when I got to my twelfth birthday, uh, I my parents gave me a, a, a Schofield reference Bible. Hmm. I think every one of my friends had a Schofield reference Bible, not just a Bible, but a Schofield reference Bible. In case you haven't ever seen them. They have the scripture at the top of the page. There's a line, and below the line, there's an interpretation of the scripture. Hmm. And the problem is that that interpretation really picks up and propagates a particular theology, uh, theology of dispensationalism. There's a big word. I didn't even know that word existed. I just knew that there were these notes at the bottom of the page, and I should take them seriously. But one of the things that those notes in the Schofield Reference Bible suggested to me was that I shouldn't concern myself with social issues. I should not concern myself with poverty, with war, your issue, which is hot right now in your consciousness, Jane, capital punishment. We shouldn't concern ourselves with the environment. One of the leading uh, persons in uh, in the president's cabinet under Ronald Reagan was a dispensationalist evangelical who said we shouldn't worry about the environment. We shouldn't worry about global warming. We shouldn't worry about the polluting of the rivers. We shouldn't worry about the uh, cancer coming out of uh, chemicals being in our food. We shouldn't worry about these things. Why? Because if you read the Schofield Reference Bible, Jesus is coming back any minute right, now. Right. I even I literally heard a pastor say, uh, I, I want to speed up the second coming of Jesus, and that's why I drive an SUV. You're like, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. this is why people don't like Christians. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Jesus is coming back soon, so why should we concern ourselves? Why should we concern ourselves about uh, being good custodians of natural resources like oil? Since why worry about using up all the oil that's in the ground? Because, uh, hey, 
Jesus is coming back in, in the very, very, very near future. Well, the reality is they often had it spelled out. And I remember as a kid, uh, the uh, uh, Sunday evening service were dedicated mm. to interpreting, here it comes, the signs of the times, the signs of the times. And whenever something terrible was happening, my pastor would point out that this was one of the indications, as it says in Matthew, that we're living in, quote unquote, the last days. Mm. Well, we've been living in the last days since 70 AD. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> is that not the case? That generation yeah. will not pass. You know, yeah, this generation won't pass away until everything that needs to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. Uh, that's what Jesus said to his disciples. And lo and behold, they all hung around uh, waiting for John, who was the eldest of all the disciples. They were waiting for him to come to death because they figured the second coming had to occur before, just before John died, because Jesus said, this generation, looking at the disciples, will not pass away until everything uh, that needs to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. They didn't read the next line. Do you know what the next line is? But the end is not yet. Yeah, yeah. The end is not yet. And then it goes on to say, no one knows the hour or the day in which the trumpet sounds, in which the Lord returns. And the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. But, I mean, one of the things that's fascinating to me is how resilient this theology has been. Because, because you go, well, I mean, there are people that wrote books that said the world's going to end on this date. And I always thought it was funny that they sold their books. Because if the world's getting ready to end, why not just give them away? You know, yeah. but anyway, but then they'll write a second, a sequel. <laughs> yeah. I was wrong, but it's this date, you know. And still people are holding out this theology that seems so sloppy and, and you know. But, but so, so talk a little bit about, like, how it, how it, conti how it continues to um, be, a, be a framework that works for people. Well, I think the truth is that uh, people get fascinated with this kind of stuff. It is fascinating. Yeah. I remember the, uh, the pastor putting this dispensationalist chart showing the various ways in which God deals, deals with peoples and the various forms of salvation that existed down through the ages, the uh, dispensation of conscience, the dispensation of, of law, and now we're in the dispensation of grace. And there's a certain truth to that. We are in the dispensation of grace. Salvation does not come as it did in the Hebrew Bible by obeying the laws of Moses. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the law of Moses won't save you. Obeying the Ten Commandments won't save you. You need a personal relationship with the resurrected Jesus. Mm. He's here. He's now. Wherever you are with this uh, radio program, if you're in an automobile driving down the road, uh, I hate to say it, but Jesus is in that car with you. If you're in your living room, Jesus is there with you. He is, here's the word, omnipresent. Mm. Wherever you are, Jesus is there. And he wants you to say to him, in all honesty and sincerity, take possession of me. I invite you to invade me. Uh, I invite you uh, to take control of my life. Uh, Jesus writes in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and I will dwell with him. Read that in the book of Revelation. It's there. Christ wants to enter into your life. He wants to take possession of you. He wants to guide you from within. And as many, here's what it says in the 8th chapter of Romans, and as many as are led by his spirit, 
as many as are willing to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in my life. I feel the Lord kind of prompting me, saying, do this, do that. And I, mm. I'm trying constantly to figure out what it is that the Spirit of God has prompted me to do. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So we'll get right back to that in a second, but we'll, we'll pause just to say thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Shane Claiborne, and I'm sitting right beside Tony Campolo here. We uh, Foaming are, at the mouth. Yeah, we, I have to wipe his microphone off here. He's been saying dispensationalism a lot, and, uh, it's, but we're, we're, I think this is really interesting because this week um, we're talking about the theology and the kind of historic backdrop of evangelicalism that kind of leads us to Trump uh, as, as a— our friend Rachel Held Evans said, the, the same people that led me to Jesus have led us to Trump, and that's troubling. And, that is um, troubling. Let me. So, so I mean, you, you're, you're doing 100 years of history in 25 yeah. minutes here. <laughs> but, but just go a step yeah. further and say one of the problems of dispensationalism and one of the problems of the Schofield Reference Bible, now that I look back on it, is that when it came to the Sermon on the Mount, mm. the fifth, sixth, seventh chapter of Matthew, the most important teachings of Jesus— the dispensationalists say, the Schofield Reference Bible said, these words were not meant for our times. After Christ returns and establishes his kingdom here on earth, then we can live according to the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Because if you take the Sermon on the Mount seriously, hmm. you have a problem with war. He tells us to love our enemies. Hmm. You have a problem with capital punishment. Because he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You have a problem with the accumulation of wealth. For he says, Take not, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. So all of these very, very radical teachings of Jesus. The dispensationalist, the Schofield Reference Bible says, well, don't worry about these things. When Christ returns and establishes his kingdom, and everything then will be as it should be, then you can live out the Sermon on the Mount, not before it belongs to the kingdom dispensation, not to the era in which we are presently living. That kind of thinking got Christians to ignore some of the most radical things that Jesus said. Yeah, and I think that's really important that, you know, it's easy to think, to hear some of this stuff and just kind of tune out thinking, well, that's just kind of like some wild theology, but, you know, what damage can it do? And you're like, it can do a whole lot of damage because if you really believe that this world is just uh, uh, something that's going to burn up in flames and you don't really care how you live very much. If you think that that uh, God is only concerned about heaven and not injustice and pain and suffering right now, then that uh, we just kind of promise people that there's there's things are going to get better when they die. <laughs> you know, we yeah. leave them alone while they're suffering here. Or the trumpet will sound and all of God's people will be raptured yeah. and, and leave this earth. It's interesting and, and it affects things like we were just talking about in, in Jerusalem, this situation in the Middle East. Well, I mean, it a, has everything to do with uh, dispensationalism. Yeah. And, and this, Let me just of, say what the Schofield Reference Bible suggests and what dispensationalists say with strong conviction that the second coming of Christ will not return, will not occur, until the Jewish people are in sole possession of what we call the Holy Land, the land that was promised to the descendants of Abraham. What they don't realize is that the land that was promised to Abraham reaches all the way from the Tigris-Euphrates rivers all the way down to the Nile. 
<laughs> I mean, if you read that in the 18th chapter of, of Genesis, all that land, that means we wipe out uh, Lebanon, we wipe out Syria, we wipe out a good chunk of the Sinai. All of that must belong to Israel. And I was talking to a guy on radio from New Zealand, and he said, and those who are not Jewish or are not spiritually Jewish by becoming Christians, because in a sense, the church is the new Israel. We are baptized into the nation of Israel, if you read the book of Romans carefully, uh, that we are Jews. We are circumcised in the spirit, even if we're not circumcised in the flesh. The Bible's quite clear about that. But here's the truth. If the Holy Land is only for uh, uh, Jewish people and for Christians, uh, where does that leave the millions of Muslims who live there? And how do you think they react when they're told this land that your ancestors have lived on for hundreds and hundreds of years, this land is not yours anymore. It belongs to the people of God, i.e. the Jewish people. That idea has lent incredible support uh, to the uh, Zionist movement. As a matter of fact, the Brits, uh, those people on the other side of the pond from us uh, over there in the United Kingdom, uh, first under Belfour back in the 1920s, and then later on, uh, the British government, when it was in control of the Middle East following World War I, mm. and basically promised this land uh, to the Jewish people, even though uh, Palestinians were living on large chunks of it. Uh, so they disinherited uh, huge numbers of, of Palestinians in order to fulfill biblical prophecy. And I mean, you, you talk about doing great damage to your, your witness of your God is when you come and you say, we're taking your land and someone says, why? And you say, God told us to. Yeah. And then it, it has everything to do with the character of God and like, uh, and, and then you, so I, th I think that, 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 uh, that theology, we still hear it everywhere. And, and, you know, our friend Jim Wallace always says the, the answer to bad theology isn't no theology, but it's good theology to actually, uh, correct some of that damaging toxic, uh, theology. So, uh, I don't know too many people that have the Schofield Bible today, but you know, I, th I think that there's still some of the residue of that. They that don't exists. need to, because we had something to replace the Schofield reference Bible the left-behind books. How many of them? Were there 10 of them? Left-behind books. Almost every evangelical Christian I know ended up buying one of those books, which picks up the same theme, these same values, these same teachings. And the thing is that they're not biblical teachings. They are a particular read on Scripture given by uh, C.F. Schofield, and the Schofield reference notes have conditioned the church. And now we have this new movement in the Left Behind books, which pick up the same, same themes. Mm. This is scary stuff. Yeah. This is scary stuff. Um, so uh, we, we have to be careful. And uh, one of the reasons why we have this red-letter Christians movement is because we want to get back to what the red letters of the Bible say. When you talk about the rapture, which is a doctrine that dispensationalists say, well, you can find it in Thessalonians. Check out the book of Thessalonians. It talks about a trumpet sounding and the dead in Christ shall rise and meet him in the sky. Doesn't it say that? Uh, well, yes, it does. But there's another description of the second coming that comes out of the uh, 13th chapter of Matthew. And in the 25th chapter of Matthew, 
in which there is a, another description of rapture. Mm. In that case, which is given by Jesus, there is a rapture. But whereas uh, the uh, godly people are raptured in Thessalonians, mm -hmm. in Matthew, it's the evil people that are raptured and then thrown into the lake of fire. So, I mean, you can get very confusing, can it, yeah. uh, when you look at these things and and so, the, so this is what we know. We, we don't know exactly how it's all going to pan out in the end, but what we do know is what God is like in Jesus. And I think that's what that's where we keep coming back to is if you, you know, if it, there's there's times where you, you have lots of questions that you don't know exactly how uh, things work out. And I, I think to me, that's the beauty of Jesus is we say, well, here here's Jesus making it pretty clear, you know, putting skin on things and showing us what how we are to live and how um, and and, uh, and and Jesus is saying to you know today is a day of salvation don't live for tomorrow don't worry about tomorrow like be present today love today live as if uh, uh, today was eternity and, and in fact that's uh, that's part of what he blurs those lines it's between. not just Ronald Reagan it's not just the Donald Trump Ronald Reagan bought into all of this mm. Jerry Falwell uh, who was completely committed to dispensationalist theology, i.e. what he found in the Schofield reference notes hmm. of the Schofield Bibles, which, were, which are still bestsellers out there. Uh, the truth is that he believed this stuff, and part of the reason why he spent so much money on the arms race mm -hmm. is that Jerry Falwell was able to convince Ronald Reagan in personal meetings, which he had with Ronald Reagan regularly, that we were moving towards the Battle of Armageddon. Mm. We're living in the last days. Armageddon is right around the corner. Uh, Russia is the evil nation that Satan is going to use. America has been chosen by God, along with the United Kingdom, to stand up against the evil bear, uh, namely the Soviet Union. And we had to arm ourselves to the teeth in order to ensure victory at the Battle of Armageddon. So the arms race, which now consumes 40% of the federal budget here in the United States, 40% of all the billions of dollars we spent are spent on arms, arms, military buildup. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Ronald Reagan got us on the deal. We got to prepare for Armageddon. And there are evangelicals all over the world that are uh, preparing for the second coming by building up arms. They, there are people who in caves and have, have stored guns and all kinds of things for Armageddon. You do need to prepare for the second coming of Christ. You know what we ought to be doing to prepare for the second coming of Christ? Because the Lord may return any moment. Welcoming refugees. <laughs> exactly. Doing the work of Jesus. Right, right. Doing evangelism. Winning people to Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, and God. You want to get ready for the second coming? Amen. You've got to win people to Jesus. As a matter of fact, I don't want the second coming to occur in the very near future. You say, that's, that's heresy. No, it's not on this basis. There are people I know who I care about. There are people in my extended family who don't know Jesus as Lord, Savior, and God. I want them to come to a salvation experience. I feel a sense of urgency to preach the gospel because I don't know when that trumpet is going to sound and when the Lord is going to return. But preparation for the second coming should be to do the work that Jesus called us to do and to do the evangelism that the Christ of Scripture calls us to carry out. Say something profound. Amen. Amen. 
I, I remember you saying uh, uh, one time that uh, we should, even if there was no heaven and there was no hell, you would follow Jesus uh, yeah. because of who he is today. And I think that's, that's uh, I'm excited about the afterlife. I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, it's going to be wonderful. But um, Jesus said today's the day of salvation. Like we, we can begin to live the values of Jesus right now. And um, I, I, like, I like how this uh, elder in our church, he said, uh, they said, what do you have to do to get ready if Jesus comes? She said, I don't gets ready. I stays ready. You yeah. know, so we, we, we just keep doing the things we know we should do, which is welcome the stranger, care for the poor, feed the hungry, share food with the, the those who need it. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, and we're on every week at this time. So we hope you keep joining us. Tell your friends about it. Uh, you can go to our website, redletterchristians.org and uh Sign on. We've got a little pledge there where you can uh, uh, see what we mean by Red Letter Christians, and you can sign up. And And you say, what does that pledge commit me to doing? And the answer is simple. To do the things that Jesus taught us to do. In the Bibles where the words of Jesus are highlighted in red, we're saying to be a Red Letter Christian is to take Jesus seriously and to live out his will in this world. And in that sense, we're dispensationalists. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Live out the teachings of Jesus here and now. Go to the website, redletterchristians.org, and you can uh, log on to uh, the radio shows of previous times. Yeah, it's see called all the a, other guests. It's called a podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> Have a good day, people. Blessings on you.